eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now notice here, now this is a prayer. Now, oftentimes, I don't know, I just learned it from a kid whenever I saw people praying, they just bowed their heads, and and sometimes they had their hand up under their chin and so forth. But Jesus, you know, he lifts his eyes up to heaven and he's talking and he says, God, the father. So he's looking up as a child would look up to his father and he begins his prayer out of relationship. This prayer, he, he prays to him relationally. It's not, oh God, it's father. The hour has come. There were several instances in which Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. I've got a mission. I've been sent here by the Father. I've been set apart, sanctified for this mission. And this mission is the salvation of man. I've been sent here to become sin and to suffer the sin debt of man so that man might be reconciled to God. Right? And though there were those who intended to kill him, He wasn't worried in those moments because he knew it was not yet his time. But now he knows it is his time. And he's praying to the father, not because the father doesn't know. But this is an intimate moment between him and the father. And he's like, father, I got a lot to say in this prayer. But here is the basis upon which it's built. Here's the reason why I'm praying here. Father. My hour has come. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to suffer, bleed, and die for the sins of man. It's, It's nigh upon me. It's interesting that he says my hour has come. I know it's figuratively because his suffering lasted a lot longer than an hour. But I believe that when you looked at it in the span of eternity... What he went through was just a momentary thing. It's just, it's just an hour to him. The ugliness, the violence, the pain, the gruesomeness of the cross was nothing compared to what it would yield in our relationship with the Lord. Amen. So, but Father, before I say anything else, I'm coming before you, Father. Because the hour, my hour has come. I need you. Glorify your son. He's not asking God to glorify him to feed his own ego. He's, his, here's a motivation for it. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. So his motivation is that the father be glorified. Since you have given him authority over all flesh. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. He hasn't resurrected yet, but he's already speaking declarative. You've already given me authority over all flesh. He's speaking 
as though it's already done because it was already done from the foundations of the world. Amen? He's already decided in his heart, I'm committed to this. There's no turning back. You've given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So he has all authority over all flesh. He's declaring that through him comes eternal life. And any all whom God has given him will have eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So in a in those first three verses, he says a mouthful. He's sent by God the Father. The only true God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to glorify him. He sent Jesus as the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he gave Jesus all authority over all flesh. And he gave him a name that is above every name. Then at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Eternal life to all whom you've given him. So this prayer starts off deep in relationship. And I, and I want to, and I want to, re, I can't stress it enough. When any, anything that we do for God, let it be based in intimate relationship. I believe Johnny Priestley mentions where he used the word gnosko, you know, to know, to know relationally. That we need to come to God relationally. We need to know God relationally. Everything we do for God, with God, toward God needs to be done relationally, right? He's not just God. He's our heavenly father, Abba, right? And, and any thoughts that we have toward God needs to be woven in that relationship mindset because he's not just God, he's our father. Well, he's a loving father that wants our best, right? He's a loving father who's who cares about our prayers and our needs and what we're going through. He He's intimately relating to everything that we go through. He feels what we feel. He cares about what we're going through. And he will be there for us and show himself faithful. Amen? And so it really spoke to me that this started off on such a very deep and rich uh, on relationship. And I believe he sets an example for us uh, because this is on the cusp of his, his great trial. What he's about to endure. I, I believe that he's setting an example for, uh, for those of us who are on the cusp of or in the middle of our own tribulation. In the midst of our own trial. What do we do with that? Where do we take that? We take it to God. And we appeal to him on the basis of relationship. And we, and we just lay it all down to him. We can fret, we can freak out, we can do a lot of things, but none of that will do any good 
The only good will be what we choose to surrender to the Lord and, and, and just let God affect his will in our lives. Amen. Uh, let, let, let's continue on. Uh, verses four and five. After he sets the table with that prayer, he says, I glorified you on earth. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. You know, he can only say, God says in the book of Isaiah, my glory I will not share with another. Right? So, Jesus, for this to be true, this is evidence that he is very nature God. Right? My glory I will not share with another. And he says, glorify me with the glory I had with you. And so this should, this, this here is part of that evidence that shows the triune nature of God. Three part, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I have accomplished the work that you gave to me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. I, I can't help it. I got to stop right there because that first line, I have manifested your name to the people whom you have gave me out of the world. Some of you have heard me say this before. Jesus's name is not just a name that we can drop and be satisfied with. Just because we say the name Jesus doesn't mean we're being a good witness. And just because we end a prayer with in the name of Jesus doesn't mean we made a godly prayer. Right? And Jesus didn't say, I spoke your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. He said, I've manifested your name. And that means... We're not only to speak his name, but we're, you know, his name also has a character associated with it. All right. And, and, and whatever we do, we need to do in the name of Jesus. In other words, in a manner, we need to do what is according to truth. We need to conduct ourselves in obedience to his word. It needs to be in spirit and in truth. And, and by so doing, we're manifesting the name of Jesus. What did Jesus say? To uh, 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 to Thomas, have I been so long with you, and yet you do not know me, right? He's like, no, no, just show us the Father. Look, I've shown you the Father. Everything, everything I've done before you, everything that's been manifested through through my word, through my deeds, everything has been a reflection of the Father. I've done nothing in my own name. I've done nothing of my own accord. I only do what I see him do. I only say what I hear him say. I am here to do the works of him who sent me. 
Amen. And so in the same manner as followers of Christ, our objective should be to manifest the name. Speak it. That's good. But we need to be more. We, we need to we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard than just speaking the name. We need to be true representatives of the name. So he's manifested his name to the people whom he, God gave him out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. It it struck me as I'm reading this. He's praying, those last few verses, he's praying for disciples who up to this point haven't really looked like the best the world had to offer Jesus. They made many mistakes. These same guys are about to abandon him in his hour of need. Three of them he calls to come pray with them eventually and they all fall asleep on him. One of them denies him three times. The rest of them, after he dies, uh, the women find out at the tomb that Jesus has risen and and. A testimony gets brought back to them and they don't believe it. They've given up. They've walked with the man for three years and they were so quick to give up. And yet here he is, despite all that, praying what he's praying about them. They, 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 they kept your word. They know that everything you gave me was from you. I've given them your words that you gave me and they've received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. Uh, that doesn't mean God is done with the world. All right. It's just that right now. He starts off, he's focused on, he's very specifically praying for his disciples. And let's see what he prays for them. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Remember what I said earlier about in the name? See, why can't anybody, for a show of hands, can someone pray to God and ask God to give him another person's spouse? What if they ended that prayer in Jesus' name? Huh? Right. Well, such a prayer is not in the name of God, right? Because it is inconsistent with the character of God. It, it, it goes against his truth. 
right? So we need to be mindful of that and know that we can't be content because we ended a prayer in Jesus' name, right? What we're asking for needs to be in line with his will. What we're asking for needs to be in line with the word of truth, right? Okay, what we're asking for needs to be consistent with the character of the God we represent. Okay, and so, and Jesus is saying, Lord, keep them in your name. That's what he's saying. Keep them in your name. Uh, later on, he's going to talk about keep them from the evil one, but but all of that is tied together. Notice, he didn't say take them out of the world. They are in the world. I am coming to you. Keep them in your name. Though they be in the world, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I'm going to cover some things in more detail later on, so I'm going to try to save some time here and, and, and continue and continue on. I think that's pretty self-explanatory there. Let's continue on. Verse 14. I have given them your word, And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So he intentionally, definitively wanted us to be in the world. But not of the world. He wants us to be in the world. Remember, God sent Jesus. Jesus is sending us. In the same world the Father sent Jesus to. He had a specific mission that you or I could not do. He had to become sin and he had to be the acceptable sacrifice for our sins so that we can be reconciled. We have a, we have a mission to go out into the world and represent him, declare him, Amen. And to and, and to invite people to receive the gift of salvation that he died to give them. So we're an extension of his mission. So he definitely wanted us to be in the world, but he did not want us to be evil or marked by evil. And I'm challenging us, church, that we have to have a character that is peculiar to that of the world. What is acceptable in general society, we, we need to evaluate that and see if it's acceptable in the, in the kingdom of God. And if it's not, then we need to forsake that mentality or that attitude or those ways of go, uh, conducting ourselves and, and put ourselves in line in obedience with God's truth. Amen. So, uh, and it also speaks to isolating ourselves, putting ourselves in a spiritual shell and, and not interacting with the world is not really part of God's plan. You know, we're not to be sheltered from the world, 
right? How can we be salt, the salt of the world, right? If, if we're put in a cupboard and never brought out. How can we be the light of the world if we keep the light covered? So they need the bread of life, like I talked about last week. They need what we have, right? And we have to love them enough that we're willing to go into the stench of the world. The messiness of the world. And bring the life of God that is in us. Now, isn't that what Jesus himself did? Did he spend all his time at the synagogues? Did he shelter himself away from the, uh, from the people of ill repute and the sinners? No, he got himself out there and he was face to face with them. He shared meals with them. He drank wine with them. He heard their hearts. He prayed for them. He healed them. He delivered them from demons. Amen? Lame people, he healed them and made them whole again. He was, he told the Pharisees when they had a problem with it, it's the sick folk that need a physician. And there are sick folk out there that need the great physician. Amen? And we, and, and we need to be determined to bring him to them. Right? So he wants us to be out there representing the kingdom, forcefully advancing the kingdom in the world. But he does not want us to be marked or tainted by the evil one. I know not everybody has a uh, extrovert personality. But, you know, uh, there are some people who are social butterflies and and uh I don't know what the opposite of that would be but but huh wallflower okay yeah or hermit or whatever there are people just the very thought of getting out there and and having to deal with new people or going out there witnessing or doing whatever it it just terrifies them and and I don't know what to tell you. I would just say, you know, you're going to have to trust God. At some point, you just got to say, Lord, you've called me to be an influence. You've called me to be salt. You've called me to be light. I may not be an evangelist. I may not be a person that can grab the mic and get out there and command the attention of a crowd. But that doesn't mean that I can't be out there. And it doesn't mean that I can't be used in some way. Maybe my ministry is more one-on-one. Right? But whatever... In whatever way God has gifted you, you, you need to be thinking about how you can use that to, to, to be a light in the world wherever he's given you influence. You know, this is part of his prayer. He did, he did not want us to be taken out of the world. He just wanted us to be kept from the evil that, that, that infects it. He doesn't want us to be worldly. He doesn't want us to be unholy. He goes on to say, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. See, you are not of this world. Just like Christ is not of this world. He walked in it. He lived in it. He ministered in it. We walk in it. We live in it. We minister in it. We were born here. 
But we're not of here. We belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. And he goes on to say, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word for sanctified is hagios. Sanctify, hallow, consecrate is what it means. It means to set apart and devote to God. To set apart and devote to God. And so, so God, so Jesus is saying, God sanctify them in the truth. Set us apart and devote us to God according to the truth of God's word. Sanctify us in the truth. So that what comes out of our mouths is truth. What people observe of our lives is truth. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But even, but but when we do fall short, we have enough fear of God, we have enough respect of God and honor of God and his word that we will admit that we sin. We will confess it and we will repent, right? And we and we will stay committed to the course that God has us on. I know some people will call that or tempted to call us hypocrites when they, when they see the slightest bit of imperfection, but we can model for the world, you know, the, 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 the grace and mercy and love of God that this isn't based on my performance. If it were, I would be hopeless just like you who don't know the Lord, right? None of us could ever earn our way to salvation if it was based on performance we would all be lost and dead in our sins, right? And so we have, in that moment of weakness, we have an opportunity to be an example even to the world who's walking in sin. Then no, we sin too. However, we have an advocate with the Father. We are saved by grace through faith. Oh, by, yeah, by grace through faith. We are saved not of works, There's nothing to boast about. Jesus did the work that we were unable to do. And because of what he did, I have a relationship with the God of my salvation. He is my heavenly father. And he loves me through my sin, right? And he loves you even though you're walking your sin right now, the same Jesus that died for me died for you. And that invitation that my wife gave earlier, right, extends out to us. It's like, I did what you're unable to do. I sent my son to become sin for you, right? And and all you have to do is bow the knee and receive the gift of salvation in him. Amen? But sanctify them in your truth. Set us apart, Lord. Devote us to God in your truth. And I, I and I believe we, it's especially hard these days. It shouldn't be, but it's especially hard these days because truth is they're working over overtime to make it. To, to, to make truth this unattainable thing, you know? There's not the truth, there's your truth. 
and my truth and everybody has their own truth. And it's no, 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 no. There is one truth. One truth. And that's the word of God. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things that we see in life that may be facts and we may think they're true today. You know, at one point it was considered truth that the world was flat. And now we know it's not. So was it truth? No, it wasn't truth. Right. You know, there was fear that if you drove, that, that if you piloted a ship too far, uh, uh, too far, you'd go off the edge of the earth. There was once a belief that everything revolved around the earth and that the earth was the center of the solar system. Now we know it's not. It's a planet, one of a number of planets that revolve around the sun. So we need to be careful what we call truth. And I believe that's one of the things that we need. It's important for us to be sanctified in the truth. I don't care how much you value your news station that you like to watch or, or your favorite anchor or, or, or your favorite politician or whoever. Uh, what they tell you is not truth. Because truth is in the word of God. Right? It doesn't mean they're not right about some of the things that they say or, or wrong. It's just that you've got to classify truth. It's got to be set apart of your mind. There's only one truth. Right. And anything that I get from any source in this world is going to be filtered through truth. I'm going to take it to the truth and it's either going to measure up or it's not. And if it measures up and if it's consistent with truth, OK, then I can then I'll then I'll consider embracing it. But if it doesn't, then it gets rejected and filed into the waste bin. Because there's one truth. Charles Spurgeon said, the more truth you believe, the more sanctified you'll be. <laughs> and speaking with the word of that, that truth being the word of God. And God's truth will separate you from the world unto his service. Sanctify you. I know a lot of times we see sanctified and we say, we, we equate that to just living holy. And that's included. That's part of it. But sanctified is you are set apart and devoted for God. All right. See, word that I sent. Oh, seven. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This doesn't mean that Jesus was unsanctified, right? You know, for their sake. Now, you sent me into the world, Lord. I've sent them into the world. For their sake, I consecrate myself. You know, Jesus was both priest 
and sacrifice. He was making the sacrifice and he was the sacrifice. Right? He's about to go to the cross as lamb of, as the lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. And so he's going, his mission now is going into a new phase where he's going to literally become sin for us. Literally pay our sin debt. And when he says, glorify me, Lord, he's putting everything in his hands. Lord, I've done everything you've asked me to do, Father. Glorify me that you might be glorified. You know, Jesus had to be resurrected in order for it to be proven that what he said, who he said he is, he is. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. You know, I I said this last week in, in slightly different words, but I'll say it here. These two verses right here, um, he said early on that he was not praying for the world. He was praying for his disciples. And it looks like he could care less about the world. He only cared about his. But no, all of this stuff is tied together. All of it is linked He was praying for his disciples whom he was going to send into the world with the message of the gospel of Christ Jesus that others would then believe on. And he extends that prayer as it reverberates out throughout the generations. He extends that prayer to all who would become believers out of the world because of the message that his disciples would send. And so he says, now I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us. And here it is, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. All that we do, all that we say, all, all of our objectives should be in line with that, right? Everything should point to Jesus. Why is it important that we are sanctified in truth? Why is it important that we be out there in the world, but not marked by it, all right? That we're out in the world, but not corrupted by the sin of the world. Why is it important that we are set apart, both in attitude, behavior, thinking, set apart. All of that is to point people to Jesus so that the world may know that God sent him. People need to know that you can be freed from the bondage of sin. People need to know that there is a joy, the joy of the Lord, that is our strength. Amen? 
People need to know that there is an eternity. That you don't just die on this earth and go into nothingness. That you didn't just, we didn't, we didn't originate from something that crawled out of some primordial slime. Or just some big bang and we have no idea what, what's beyond this life. No, 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 we do. There is truth. There is a creator. There is a God who created us in everything in the heavens and the earth. And there's a very real devil. There's a very, Satan is very real. And he infected man with his own rebellious heart and sin. And people need to know, I don't want to hear that a loving God wouldn't send someone to hell. One, sanctify them in the truth. It doesn't, it's not in God's word. We know that hell is a very real place, but we know that hell wasn't made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels that, that followed him in his rebellion against God. But people need to know that God is a loving God, but God is also a just God. He's a holy God. Right? And he wouldn't be a just God if, if sin were not punished. And if you end up going to hell, it won't be because God doesn't love you. It will be because you rejected his love. Because God has given us everything we need and every opportunity for us to receive his loving salvation. Amen? But we have to make sure that we are that we are vessels that are giving that pure word of truth to the world. I don't uh, have a whole lot more to say other than I just want to remind you that this is a prayer from the innermost heart of our Lord and Savior. To me, it's just as, just as important as the content of this prayer is the context in which the prayer is said. This intimate time with the Father. On the cusp of suffering that I don't believe any of us here can even imagine. He's about to have his head covered and people punching him and with his head being covered, he can't even brace for the blows. He's, he's being punched, probably got a concussion. And they're just, they're, they're, they're mocking him, prophesy who it is that hits you. He's about to have his flesh torn apart. 
by the cat of nine tails. He's about to have his garment stripped from him as they cast lots for it. He's going to be mocked, shamed, indignified, if that is a word. It's going to be barely recognizable, even beyond recognition for those who know what he ought to look like, who knew what he ought to look like. All of this he is about to suffer. And he takes a moment just between him and the Father. Father God, I want you to be glorified in me and through me. Glorify your son so that you would be glorified. And Lord, I know what's about to happen to me and, and these that you gave to me, I want to lift them up to your father. Sanctify them in your truth. You sent me here. I'm sending them out. I've done what you sent me to do. And I have every confidence that they're going to do what I'm sending them to do, Lord. Send them into the world. But my prayer is to keep them in your name. Don't let them be tainted by the world you've sent them to. Don't let them begin to act like the world you've sent them as missionaries to. And Father, there's going to be a lot of people who come to Christ, a lot of people who become believers through their message. Sanctify them too, God, I pray. Make them one. Make them unified. In a way that glorifies you. Not united by fear. Not united by lies and, 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 and conspiracies and whatever else, but united in the truth. United in the spirit of God. United in the truth. Keep them sanctified in the truth. Thy word is truth. Keep them unified in the kingdom mission. Let not the world, let not the evil one worm his way into the body and infect us with his sinful poisons that cause divisions and strife. The glory 
that you've given me. Verse 22, I've given them that they may be one even as we are one. That's the heart of our God, that we be one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world, he says it again, may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's, there's not any real need to really expound on that. But there is a unity of the faith spoken of in Ephesians 4 that Christ is praying for here. Not out of compromise or fear, but a unity that's rooted in love, that's rooted in truth, and a common identity in Jesus Christ. A togetherness with Christ. And his strong desire and prayer for all of us is that we be kept sanctified. This is the word sanctified and unified. Do we... You know, I guess it begs the question, do we share the same desires? Not necessarily about life or career pursuits, but what are our desires? Do we have common ones and are they rooted in the Lord? What are the priority desires of our heart? Our desires sanctified in truth, or are, are our desires taken more from this world than from the heart of Jesus? And so, as the message title says, my exhortation to to us all today is to glorify the Son. Jesus' initial. He started his prayer, Father, glorify your son that you may be glorified. And God has glorified his son. God has exalted his son. His son has been lifted up. Not just on the cross, but he's been raised from death to life. And he's at the right hand of the father. And the fact that that tomb is empty, that he was laid in, and that And that he rose again in the presence of many witnesses is a testament that he is the son of God. That he is the Messiah. That he is exactly who he said he he was. And that his death on the cross was not just a man dying a gruesome death. His death on the cross 
right, was the way of salvation for us. Now the self, now the cross is gruesome. The cross is ugly. The cross is, uh, is pain. It's death. You, you don't ever want to see anyone die that way. But, but, but for those of us who have been saved, we can look at the cross and, 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 and despite its filth and, and ugliness, it is that there's a beauty there. Because it speaks to the love of God, the depths that he would go to, to save us. It speaks to the how, how deep and, and how high and how far and how wide is the love of God. Right? That he who knew no sin would become it for us. Not because we deserved it. Not because we earned it. But because he loved us. Amen? And I don't know, there are people out there contemplating suicide right now that don't feel anyone loves them. We need to let them know there's a God in heaven that loves them. You ready to give up on life? There are people out there struggling, don't see value in themselves because of they lived a life full of regret and mistakes. They need to know there's still hope in Jesus. They need to see, they need to see us out there. And it, though it may look like we've got it all together, <laughs> all of us know the truth, don't we? Don't we? We do not all have it together. But we all have a testimony. We may not have it all together, but we know what we were before we met Christ. And we know what he's done in our hearts. And we know that we are not the same creatures that we were before him. Amen? Uh, I'm going to ask you all to stand. I just want... Glorify the Son. I pray that you don't just give mental assent to this. I pray that um, this is not just, you know, hearing it for the same, hearing it over and over and over again, and that you don't carry this out with you with the intent to do something with it. I'm not always the best at giving you takeaways and you know, three points this and five points that. You know, uh, I like to go through a passage and just glean out uh, the gems that are in there and see what God is speaking to us. But, but Jesus wanted to be glorified by the Father so that the Father is glorified. And he said he's given us his glory. I'm not sure. What, is that my wife's phone? Oh, okay. That's all right. That's all right, brother. Sanctified and unified. God has marked you. 
each and every one of you. You are set apart for God's service. You are set apart. You may not be a finished product, but God doesn't call finished products. Amen? He calls works in progress. Amen. And and the work that he begun in us, he's able to complete. Right? So um, it's a simple exhortation to you. Glorify the Son. Let him be glorified in you. Because you you don't just speak his name, you manifest it. You don't just tell people you know Jesus. You show that you know Jesus. You don't just speak the truth. You know it. You gnosko it. You 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 live it. Father God, I lift up your body to your Lord. Um, I thank you, Father God, for these hearts here that love you and and uh, who have made that choice to to follow Jesus. And Father, I, as my wife prayed earlier or, or uh, shared earlier, there may be someone here that doesn't know you, Lord. Someone who came here by invitation. Uh, who came here for, or, or they either they came here by invitation uh, maybe they came here Lord because someone recommended us maybe they came for just for the donut holes and cocoa whatever the reason Father they're not here by mistake they're here because you led them here you wanted them to hear what, what was said today. You wanted them to know that salvation is nigh unto them, Lord. You wanted them to know what Jesus has done for them. You wanted them to know, Father God, that your arms are open wide for them. that today is the day of salvation for them. And Father God, I pray that this opportunity is not wasted uh, for anyone who is listening online or who is, or who is here now. You know, uh, if you're here, respond to the call of God uh, right now and just come up. And uh, by your coming, you're declaring that you want to give your life to the Lord that you want to receive his gift of salvation. Uh, Whether you've never known the Lord or you've been backslidden and want to rededicate your life to him, now is the time to do that. You are invited to do that. And we will celebrate along with the angels in heaven 
But the Bible says that there is joy and rejoicing in heaven more over one sinner that repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. So you are God's treasure this morning. Will you come? Enter into the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for uh, thank you for for working in us, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us today, Lord, and and uh, Father, I, I thank you for uh, the committed hearts, Lord that are taking, have taken everything that has been ministered to them today to heart into good soil and they will bear fruit for your glory. Uh, I, pray you, I pray your blessings on each and everyone here, Lord. Uh, may you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Um, until we see them again, Lord, I just bid, uh, I, I just bless everyone in the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.